0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tunelizing Podcast, a podcast where we're trying to write and record an entire album from scratch in just one year. Uh, I'm one of the two hosts, Rob Rugglesworth. Jack Edwards is not here right now, but he will be, uh, because we've got a special pre-recorded episode for you this week, as promised at the end of the last episode. So after we started talking a couple of weeks ago about vocals and about singing and how how we're going to approach this what we see is probably one of the biggest barriers to the album journey so far and we chatted away as me and Jack often do about ideas and and how we might approach it but we yet again thought it's time to turn to someone who actually knows what they're talking about for a bit of expert advice Uh, and After turning to Google and Googling voice hacks uh, and vocal hacks, because I, you know, wanted to see if there are any shortcuts as we only have six months left on this journey. Uh, We need all the help we can get. And uh, up popped at the top a YouTube channel with that exact title, Voice Hacks. And this YouTube channel is run by vocal coach and professional singer themselves, Mary Zimmer. And I reached out to Mary to see if she would be so kind as to come on the podcast and uh, answer a few questions we might have and give us some tips and she very kindly obliged so yeah very excited to bring you this episode uh, this week where me and Jack chatted to Mary about how do we approach this problem of vocals on our album when we've no idea really how to sing or where to even start so yeah we ask all those sorts of questions Uh, It was a really fun interview we get into all sorts of stuff So I hope you enjoy it and uh, find it useful yourselves too. Um, So yeah, I started this interview by asking Mary how being in various uh, metal bands, actually, uh, Mary specializes in metal vocals and sort of those kind of things, as well as also um, producing videos for more general vocalists and also having training in things like uh, classic singing and, and opera too. Uh, but yeah, I started the conversation by asking how those years of experience touring and being in bands uh, help when, uh, now that she is a vocal coach and uh, a content creator on YouTube.
1: I think it's very hard for a vocal coach to give advice that isn't living the tour life, especially like the exact tour life. I coach a lot of like professional metal vocalists and other YouTubers, people with like three, four times, you know, 10 times the subscribers in the case of like at least one of the persons that I'm thinking of, you know? So I, I coach a lot of professional folks and I think part of why I relate to them is because I have to live their life. Like I have to manage my voice in the same way. I have to play the same, sometimes the exact same tour routing. If it's here in North America, you know, sometimes, you know, literally we're doing the same thing or we have to go deal with the same stuff. And so I think it's very hard when the vocal teachers out of touch when they either don't do that or that they've never done that i mean it's very hard for them to relate and come up with ideas
2: so the things that you teach in general do they come from uh your experience in doing that or are they they things that people have taught you and you're kind of passing on the the advice through i don't want to say for generations because that makes it sound like you're a lot older than you are but um (laughs) (laughs) where where does where does your kind of your authority come from if you like um is it just an accumulation of experience because you said you started quite young coaching
1: yeah I mean because you start when you're like 19 or 20 like I was annoying my parents by having like we had a piano, an actual piano in the house, so it was, like, very loud. And then I would make, like, 12-year-old students come over, you know. So you start, like, there. I wasn't, certainly wasn't coaching, like, professional musicians. Now I won't even coach anyone who's a minor. But, um, yeah, so part of it, most of the knowledge that I come from really has to do with my music degree, where you learn the pedagogical knowledge of um, You know, the vocal anatomy and how it actually works. And this is how you are able to further examine and interpret other research even after you have your degree, which is also how I can gain an understanding of extreme vocals and some of the specialized sounds we would call them like phonations like a sound that you make a phonation um so like in the case of like screams and metal and stuff they're just like weird sounds so it's more apt to call them that I guess and so you can't understand or interpret that research if you uh it's you know, not everybody who has been a singer for a long period can be a good vocal coach or necessarily is a good vocal coach. Cause the problem with singing is it's tied with your body and it is a bit, bit athletic. And so, um, there are a lot of people who can, uh, naturally do it well and they don't have an explanation for it. Although yeah, it is I like an instrument, <laughs> Oh, it's very frustrating, and certainly I'm not one of those people. There is a certain time where I could only really opera sing and stuff. I had to learn a lot of these things as well. So I really do understand where... that goes. But then some of those folks, it's like they don't have an explanation for this exercise they're doing or how to explain to you what is happening because they never had to learn it really. And um, so it actually makes it harder for those folks to teach. So there's plenty of those folks teaching though. Yeah, And so this is kind of the problem with voice teaching.
0: This is what I found so refreshing about your kind of your technique. She's Mm -hmm. actually talking about like, The science here and kind of why things are you're saying certain things and why certain techniques are important i mean there's so many vocal coaches on youtube that i've seen or people that are trying to teach vocals just saying like breathe like this but no real reason and kind of all breathe into it this way and it's like why and well, yeah it's kind of so it's quite refreshing nerding out on the science a bit
1: yeah and it's important too for vocalists not to slack and to engage and continue in continuing education so I know some classical voice teachers out there very popular people who have like vocal programs and um, they will still be perpetuating like some old school myths there's a lot of myths that perpetuate from time before we had the technology to do sufficient examination of what's happening in here. One of the main problems is there's not a lot of tactile nerve endings in the vocal cords, unlike your hands, so you can't actually feel them touching. I can't be like, open your cords, close your cords, uh, move your epiglottis. You can't even feel that some of that's happening, and yet a lot of it's happening all day when you talk and you don't even know and so this is a big problem and so there's a lot of myths that are still perpetuated particularly with classical and musical theater teachers who sort of refuse to look sometimes at modern research and stuff because they were just told those things are bad and so like they just believe this thing that's been perpetuated, even though now there is a lot of research and things contrary to that. So we should really also it's a lack of some people just will not further their education or actually go, well, it, it, you know, like I've questioned a lot of the things in classical, I'd be like, well, I started just like trying to scream and I was just like, well, I'm not going horse. So like something's, something is not wrong here. There's gotta be a way, there's gotta be a reason, there's gotta be an explanation for this. Um, And then you have to go look that up. And I think that's the thing if you don't really have that. And so again, though, you're going to be stuck with gaps when you teach and I don't know how you can really teach. We don't have answers for people. That's kind of weird. It's
2: obviously, uh, you say, as an expert, it's important to keep learning, which is admirable. But if I could take you back to uh, to talking about very beginners, which I think me and Rob are.
0: Apart from like the odd karaoke, drunken karaoke, kind of singing around the house.
2: Yeah, we've, we've never thought about it analytically and kind of tried to learn to sing, mm-hmm. um, which is something we sort of want to change in the next six months, ideally. Um and your, uh, your channel is called Voice Hacks. And obviously, hacks kind of puts you in mind of a quick win. Uh, people like to get the results of something without necessarily having to put in all the work. But on the other hand, like in anything and singing, I'm sure is no exception, you have to practice a lot to get where you want to be. W- where does the balance lie, do you think? Are there certain things we could do instantly that would make us 50% better singers or is, is the percentage higher or lower and it's more about hard work?
1: Well, I think that there are a lot of technique uh, hacks, if you will, that even when you're first starting, you know, just how to like make a sound or whatever, that will help you a little bit. But um, at the same time, uh, while I feel like I have a lot of really good ones of those, better than a lot of things available. I, I have to say, you know, even a, through my own experience, it's going to be a thing of finished, not perfect. In six months, you're going to make a lot of headway. You're going to be like from zero to what, you know, if you if you practice a certain things that we talk about, which uh, we'll get to in a second, but um, you'll, you'll make a lot of headway in six months' time working on your own material and focusing on that. But at the same time, um, you can't substitute, just like guitar playing or drumming, the other instruments. Unfortunately, there is a physical practice element to it, just like the other instruments. It is a part of your body. It's an instrument that you control. There are parts that move that we physically practice coordinating, you know. So you get better at that over time. So really at first you need to keep it very like, you need to uh, write really uncomplicated melodies. You can't expect to like do a lot of showing off in six months' time. And you probably need to um, just kind of write in a limited range. But the thing is, most music that people like is actually written like that. Even if the vocalist has a crazy range and is really good, 99% of what is popular is within actually kind of smaller range. Uh, So don't stress about that. And just be aware that there is no, like, magic trick that just like unlocks your sound like all that crap is bs (laughs) unfortunately like i mean i've lived it you know i've vastly improved i mean even from records that were quote unquote good enough to be on record labels like 10 12 years ago that i've had out i mean i've vastly improved since then by leaps and bounds so it really is finished not perfect because i'm saying that a decade ago somebody thought i was good enough to put on a professional record But I think I'm 10 times better now. So you know what I mean? You can get to a level where you get really, really great and you're still going to get better. So you have to go into this is the best I'm going to do with the abilities that I have at this moment. Like when you get to the end of the six months, you've got to put a deadline on yourself because you can keep perfecting it into infinity. I'm sure that's similar with some of the other Things about writing the music as well. We could just keep going forever.
2: Definitely, yeah. I think that's one thing. One thing we've learned so far in the first six months is um, to accept. In fact, we we talked to a friend about this, and he gave us some advice that he'd been passed on, which was to accept. I think ninety percent, ninety percent of the way, ninety percent perfect, ninety-five percent maybe. Basically, don't don't aim for perfection.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. Finished, not perfect, if that makes sense. Because...
2: So yeah, I don't think we're expecting perfect from ourselves in six months, thankfully.
0: We've probably uh, already made a mistake then in the fact that we've kind of already progressed quite far with some of our kind of demos and the music we're writing. But really you're saying we kind of probably should figure out what our vocal style and kind of what our ranges and things like that is going to influence a lot of what is going to work well in terms of the music. Yeah, maybe that's a problem that we're kind of having is we've written a lot of music already and we're trying to figure out how the hell is our voice going to fit with that? But really, you know, that's kind of the wrong way to think about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily, you're in control of the music. I mean, the writing, the composition, I mean, any composition in theory can be moved to any key. So it's not like you need to scrap it because in 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 if you haven't written the vocal line it doesn't necessarily it's not necessarily that restricted because of key. I would say a good goal for like a male vocalist is to try to write a vocal line, you know, to what you already have written just see if it's just going to sit weird. Again, you may have to move the tuning or the key. So um but because it's not already written like that's you know the music might be written but if the vocal line isn't written there's certainly a lot of room for where to put it right so I think a good place to start is to try for a male vocalist to try to write something uh, in the C3 octave if middle C is C4 so be careful because when you open up a garage band or certain Pro Tools gives you the choice you can Click C three or C four. Some MIDI programs call it C three, and I don't really understand because like a computer's unlimited octaves. What does it matter if you call it C three or C four? But traditional piano and and guitar lessons and things, we would be calling middle C C four. And most of the time, when you see like range videos on YouTube and stuff, that's where they're telling you the numbers are. So the C three octave, which is the octave below middle C, almost all men. Well, not almost all men can sing in this octave. And you guys have speaking voices that are not exceptionally high. Like if you were speaking to me like, hi, you know, like, (laughs) um, seriously, I have counter tenor. It's extremely, it's extremely um, rare, but they're, are men with extremely high voices and their speaking voices sit higher than mine. Like I have like a very rarely, rare like low voice for a female. So yeah, you can have the opposite too. But you guys have both like a uh, regular tenor or baritone kind of speaking voices. You know, I'm not sure without you singing,
0: but- This is my, my podcast voice. I uh, lower it to sound more professional, but- <laughs>
1: Well, there's still a relative pitch and yeah. a range that like a lower voiced man would be speaking in. And I don't know how to explain it. It's just that I've coached like hundreds of people on there about 60% of them are men so I can really truly start to tell from the relative pitch of where your speaking voice sits even if you're sitting relatively low to you that frequency isn't quite as low as like like if we were talking to um you know a bass you know or something like that so you guys are right in like normal man range whatever it's going to be baritone or tenor you know, so like the ranges right, right, are divided to like high, medium and low, you know, yeah. and baritone is the medium and tenors, the, the high, like the regular, not the exceptionally low or the exceptionally high, which is our bass and our counter tenor. So counter tenors are guys like Getty Lee or somebody, people who literally can't even sing to C3 barely. Slide. Range is high, like a mezzo soprano. It's statistically very rare. I mean, I've seen maybe like two of these in actual lessons, but it's, most men are like confounded by this because there's a lot of famous guys with high voice. If you're a couch tenor, you could probably be famous. But the actual (laughs) amount of men with a voice that high is like not at all common, and it's very unrealistic. So, again, this is why at first you just want to aim for the C3 octave, and like, this is an area where a baritone can sing. This is an area where a tenor can sing. I call it the overlap range. So this is where like a lot of choruses are written. And sometimes if you're a tenor, you'll get fooled by it. Like you'll sing a song by a a, a baritone like Marilyn Manson or Dave Grohl would be a really good example um, because he's actually a baritone. So you, in the chorus, if you're a tenor, you're like, yeah, this fits perfect. But then as soon as you get to the verse, times <laughs> like these is a good example, like you know, you get to the verse and you're like, "It's time." Uh, uh, <laughs> you're like, "Oh my God, that's actually way lower than I thought," because it's not low for him. Time,
0: time again. I,
2: I'm a new day
1: rising. I'm a brand new sky to Start so relativity plays a lot of problems on your ears. So just kind of, if you don't know your vocal range, just aim for the C3 octave and decide. So like if your song, if you can just plink around on the piano. You don't really need to know that much theory or, uh, you know, and just see if you can find a comfortable melody in there that matches your music mm. um, and keep it simple. You want to avoid like expectations of like big leaps as far as wide pitch range. You don't want to have expectation to do like hey, or something like that. Like crazy <laughs> runs is super unrealistic. Um, but here's the thing. Like I said, most famous songs are written this way. Look at crooners Great example. Frank Sinatra. I bet everything I just said describes everything. Fra- I bet the whole thing is like in the lower part of the C3 octave. It doesn't make any leaps. You know, uh, and it's not a complicated melody. Let me see what spring is like on
0: a Jupiter and Mars. So you want to think like words,
1: that. You don't necessarily have to write crooner songs. <laughs> which, you know. And that is going to be done in your, like, normal... Modern singing voice which is our non falsetto rock voice we call it belting some people call it chest voice i kind of prefer not to use that term it's very non-specific so like frank sinatra is belting even though he's not like being loud it's the it's the style he's not like hey, using his falsetto you know so you want to just sing in your normal male rock voice again though this is where we're hearing all of the Louis Capaldi's and Ed Sheeran's and Dave Matthews would be another. That's a great example. Dave Matthews would be like a guy that's pretty much doing exactly what I'm saying.
2: you say you feel the right to remain, then stay and I will bury you.
1: Maybe sometimes like he goes up for like a falsetto because he's more experienced on some of his melodies. But like the large majority of the catalog is not like wildly deviating. So when you actually start looking at like hugely popular artists, yeah, there are people who are going all over. Some of the guys I just mentioned are certainly like the Ed Sheerans and stuff. But there, but again, like most stuff is actually written in a comfortable range, and so it's not like you're really shortchanging yourself. Most hits are simpler songs, not like. Blah, blah, like blah. <laughs>
0: I think that's where we struggle is because a lot of the like artists that we really like, uh, we've talked about a lot, are kind of quite original. That kind of stands out to us. You have to remember, everybody that you
1: like probably has like a decade of practice yeah, before yeah. they got to that record that made them big that you like. I mean, and I just mean practice I don't even mean necessarily they don't necessarily have to have lessons but just like the amount of stage time or tours that guy's done or albums that guy's put out as far as like the amount of times he's had to work with his voice even if he has no lessons at all is years of stuff and so you'll find some of those things in your own voice and you'll expand over time and you'll do some more sounds but I would just keep it like real simple at first and then like you could maybe add some elements like clean singing versus like gritty singing, you know, Hey versus Hey, you could add a little bit of grit. Maybe if you could learn that in six months on that same C three octave, non complicated melody, you can work with dynamics a little bit that way. But I would say you're going to have to keep your goals like pretty limited, but this way you'll end up singing much more in tune. And if like you find that the top part of the C three octave is a little high, sing more towards the low of it. If you need to dip a couple notes below it to make it fit your voice or fit in key, that's fine. You know what I mean? Just kind of in that general area, wherever it fits, feels comfortable for you, or maybe write the lower part of the C3 octave in the verse and the higher part on the chorus. You know, whatever you want to do, um, but just keep it simple. You're not trying to, again, don't jump like wildly because again you're just trying to get as good of a take as you can in the time that you have so it would one day you will do those things um, but you have to if you try to go for it now on the record it's going to sound pretty bad (laughs) And and not just because of your level of experience, yeah, you know what nice, I mean. Yeah. And you're gonna be pissed at yourself, and and you might even have a false sense of discouragement mm. because you're so new Definitely to it. That. You might, f- yeah, you might falsely think you can't sing. Nah, it's not really that. What if? Six. What if another six months you can do that thing? So you really shouldn't judge it like that, you know?
0: I guess it's like picking up a guitar and then instantly going like, why can't I play the guitar and just throwing it in the corner and never picking it up again. It's
1: the same thing, you know? And so it's much easier too for you to like, again, practice matching the pitches on a simpler melody and stuff like that. Once you've come up with a melody, another thing you can do if you're kind of like new to matching pitch, because certainly your instruments will not be playing your vocal melody, they will give you your relative chords and all that. But you can try to bring um, like you can put a MIDI melody, you know, uh, like keyboards in the background um, just when you're recording, like if it helps you kind of match you know and learn to match the notes a little bit and then you can take it off later you know um and not have that be on your final recording you know you might have to do stuff like that
2: so would you say that pitch and finding the right octave is the most important thing as opposed to say holding a note or
1: well your air is gonna have a lot to do with your pitch you know you might want to just engage in some like Basic singing tutorials, basic warm-ups, and when you're first starting, the stuff on YouTube is probably enough because it's usually pretty, like, introductory things, you know, and if the exercise seems kind of crazy, that's not good, just kind of go on to, if it's, like, too wild or too fast, like, just look for more beginner exercises Um, I have some on my channel and the belting playlist, you know, just some real basic ones But again, I go through all the octaves for all the ranges So it's gonna be a lot wider than what you're doing and so Air is going to affect the pitch a little bit. It is a wind instrument So some of the pitch control will be related to your ability to use the air But at the same time our brain is already pretty good at matching pitches um, believe it or not, but you may have to give it a little bit of help, you know, with the um, with the, like I said, like maybe a MIDI, like a piano that you sing with the melody at first when you're recording, just getting used to it. Um, and then also listening to yourself back. It's kind of hard to tell inside of your head at first. I do recommend like recording with in-ears. You can then hear what you're recording more. Uh, It'll block out some of your face volume and what you hear inside of your head a little bit. And then it'll help you kind of hear if you're matching the pitch more. But really, you'll kind of hear it on playback. And if it's a little flat, you need to put a little more air into it. If it's a little sharp, you need to kind of put a little less air into it. And you can always find your pitch, like, tuning a guitar. You just slide no, slide up until you hear it kind of, like, in sync. The same way you hear when you slide the tuning on your guitar around and you hear that it's matching, you know, like as you twist the knob. It's the same thing. You play the note on the piano and you just slide your voice up to it to match it. But again, the C3 octave is a good guide as men... You should be able to find those pitches and hit those pitches just fine. Uh, It may be more confusing to find the octave on a song you didn't write by someone else or a song that's by a female vocalist in which you're trying to change the octave. But on an original composition, if you're aiming for the C3 octave, you shouldn't have... It's going to be pretty close to where your speaking voices are. So you should be able to find it.
0: someone who wants to get into like metal singing and things like that. do you still kind of get those fundamentals first or is there a completely different route you would take if you were going to get into some of their heavier kind of scream core like metal core and things like that is it do you still need to get those basics down
1: if they have no interest in clean singing then we don't do any clean singing and we will just start with harsh vocals it depends though because there are specific kinds of harsh vocals that don't involve singing; um, they're just noises, and so then in that case, they don't need to worry about pitch or anything. They're just like harmonic overtones and things. And so, um, we of course will learn air and stuff for that. It is the same instrument, it is used the same way, but we wouldn't we we really wouldn't do that. I don't think it's a good idea for people to learn opera singing to learn modern singing. I don't think it's a good idea for you to do indirect things. I think you should just learn the style that you want to learn very, very specifically and very directly. And the reason is, is because, um, first of all, time. And second of all, like, again, people here are classically trained and they don't understand that that is the way that is required for us to get a degree. But actual, other than some of the things, um, you know, learning the anatomy as part of the course curriculum has to do with the stuff. But as far as actually singing technique, it's not at all the same, really. So you shouldn't, you really should just avoid, if you have no intentions to be an opera singer or no intentions to be XYZ type of singer, don't do that. <laughs> you know, if you're trying to learn rock singing, focus on Belting techniques and normal, modern singing techniques. Not There's no reason for you. Because you would have to kind of unlearn some of that other stuff. So same thing with screams. If they don't want to learn that and they're actually not going to do any singing, even gritty singing, and they're just going to do like the metal screaming, then we really don't need to learn that. We might learn a few vocal warm-ups because you can't like scream warm-up. Okay, certainly. But outside of that um we're not really very concerned with spending much time on clean singing at all
2: that's interesting so there's some parts of a vocal performance um such as the emotion that the singer puts in which people can really value um would you say that is aside from the technical aspect or is that something you can learn as well is that is that something you can teach to put that emotion in or to put some expression in But is, you know, above and beyond just for notes?
1: Well, think of, you know, your guitar or, you know, um, or something like that and the other instruments. It's very tough to express yourself if you don't know how to solo. Right. You sure. can't you can't really like give a great drum solo or fill or whatever or you know like it's very very hard just like a language you can't express yourself very well if you don't have an adept use of the language so sometimes the adrenaline and the emotion help us achieve certain things because it is a physical like especially with the screams it's like maybe easier for people to get it out when they can feel the adrenaline of being on stage or whatever but With that exception, in general, you're probably not going to find yourself being very expressive or feeling that emotional. It's going to feel quite sterile when you're first just trying to execute. And you kind of want to keep it there because at first your emotions are going to maybe make the sound bad. No, you know,
2: like it's just... Get in the way.
1: Yeah. It's again, think of it as the way that would work on another instrument. If you're too emotional too soon, like... It's going to be like off tempo and stuff and other instruments, right? Like the classic, like speeding it up faster than the click, you know, Um, or something like that, like the vocal equivalent like that, where it's going to be like, whoa, like sound really wild, you know, (laughs) and uncontrolled. So what I would do is I would actually like completely take your emotions out of it for a while. Especially when you're first like writing and be quite sterile, you know, and just feel it out and and kind of really look like is this a comfortable pitch, is this melody, am I adapting to it well?
0: It's really treating it like an instrument then, like
1: you have to do it like that because again I've seen the opposite, and it's it's not good. It's not like the people who are letting all their emotions go, haywire, are, you? like, are making great sounds. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, sure, most yeah. of the time, they absolutely are not. It's
0: like trying to pick up a guitar and just bang out a Hendrix solo, like, straight away. It's just not, <laughs> you're going to hit all the wrong notes. That- like <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it's like I can't play the guitar, so no matter how much I feel it, that's not coming out, it's gonna be like terrible, right? So that's the thing is it's the same I, I mean, I find it much easier to be more expressive now that I can control all of the sounds and the colors and things. We are limited to an extent. So you could put more of your emotions into the lyrics and then certainly after you have recorded the song and it's all done and things like that. Then when you're just rehearsing it over and over with the band, that's the time you can start bringing your emotions back in to that song that you wrote, you know. But at first, it's going to be, like, a little bit sterile, unfortunately.
0: And I guess the beauty of us doing it as a recording project for now and, like, well, not doing any live performances is we can just keep doing take after take and then even chopping stuff up and, like, you know, getting the best bits of certain takes...
1: People really don't do takes all the way through anymore. So every record that I've done since, like, 2007, like, the, whoever produced it, that's exactly how we did it. And part of it is because we can now, and the recording standards are up to that point. But yeah. I'm telling you, like, when I did, I just did a record that came out today, and it was, like, like tons and tons of backing vocals. And even after, like, decades of singing practice, I'm doing... Take after take, punching in like every line to get it up to the standard of modern quality. And mm. af- even after I do that on like multiple, like six layers of harmonies, <laughs> a- after 20 years of practice, <laughs> they still tune it. So just kind of be aware of that, too. Ah. This is where we're at. And it has <laughs> to do with technology. <laughs> right. So. Okay. So you oh, got to be, yeah. It, so it's tough. You got it's tough when you're producing yourself because I, kind of produce my own vocals because we couldn't go anywhere because of covid to an extent and so um it is tough to how many takes do you do how how what is good enough so you kind of when you're very first starting you really need a third party to help you decide which takes to keep the only reason i can even sort of half assess that now is my level of experience but i don't think that's possible to assess at the beginning so when you're doing your take after take you really need maybe a producer or somebody, a vocal, like, or at least just somebody else to tell you that that, that is the one. Because I don't think that's another good thing about the beginning that you're not going to be able to tell, I don't think.
2: Yeah, agreed. I do think that is one thing we need because we have, we've heard ourselves sing and we've heard each other sing enough, too much probably, and we have no idea how good <laughs> we are really. Yeah. We're like, we don't know how to judge um, what is an acceptable quality. To put on a record. And
1: if you just went with a producer and he's like, this is good, that's not good. Like, like they're, they're not going to be a vocal coach. So I'm going to tell you the techniques, you know, but they're going to be like... This is out of tune. This isn't. This is good.
2: Yeah, for an audience member so they can still judge.
1: Yeah, and that's what you need because that will help you learn. Again, it's it's kind of sucks. It's a lot of growing pains. You have to go in and learn what's is good and what is bad. You have to hear what is bad and you and you got to just look at it objectively. You can't take it too personally because there is the good coming out too, you know. So just throw out the bad and just remember what that good one sounded and felt like and just keep trying to replicate that tone or whatever you know they're gonna the, you know and over time you're just gonna replicate more and more of those good tones and learn and there'll be less and less takes to to figure that out you know again though it's a learning curve and and yeah you do need that third party to tell you this is good and this is bad you really do if you're just starting
2: um also when well, we're just starting this is i think especially uh, relevant now in lockdown because I'm with, I mean, we've obviously staying in our houses and we've got neighbors who are all working from home as well. And the walls aren't particularly thick around here. How do you, or how would you advise someone overcoming like shyness about practicing singing?
1: Well, um, we have to remember that, you know, I don't know how it is uh, by you guys, but in the States, like, you know, I guess it depends where you live here too, because like again, like each day could be like a different country sometimes, <laughs> uh, and you know, then we further divide things based you know, on the city and then your your own little housing development. But anyway. Um, most apartment complexes in most of the world, like, you can make a certain amount of noise up to a certain time. Like, you have to vacuum or there's kids crying. Like, there's a certain amount of, like, noise within, like, most places will let you practice for, like, an hour, like, during the day. Even if it pisses your neighbors off, like, to be fair, like, you're allowed to make a noise for a certain time of day as long as it's within, within reason, you know? But that being said, there's a whole lot of ways that you can avoid doing that. Um, one thing is the kind, it's kind of expensive, but it is worth it. Um, there's this thing called the Isovox that I've seen. It's literally this thing that just goes over your head, and oh, wow. it really does <laughs> isolate it.
0: I'm I'm go- Google this now because
1: yeah, I put you. The microphone comes up through there, and it has like some flaps, and it really does completely isolate it. Really, truly, your neighbors will not be able to hear <laughs> you. But it's. Well, you guys have the exchange right in your favor, but it's about 1000 USD.
0: So it's, a, it's an extreme option, but it's an, it's an option.
1: <laughs> but it actually does work. I have tried it at Nam. Like, it is legit. Like, I have had many vocal clients who have one. The other thing is you could build yourself something like that. Um, it's not incredibly difficult. Um, but, you know, then the next thing is um, I obviously you can see like this is not a a full room. This is a a walk-in closet, but again, I live in the States where stuff is a lot newer, and we don't have People like on the East Coast here or people in Europe, you can have older properties with much smaller um, closets or maybe not even a closet. Some of the older homes I've lived in. Um, But if you can find the closet (laughs) with the least amount of shared walls with the next person. So, for example, the only wall that this one shares with the other condo is the top. And that's their closet. We have an identical floor plan. So I know it's not neighboring their bedroom. Like it's it's neighboring their closet. Okay. And so then you take that room and your clothes will dampen it a lot. That's a great, leave your clothes in there. You know, if you can stand in there. If you can't, you're going to have to clear out a small section, but you still might want to leave like half your clothes in there. Just dampen it as much as you can. Get some blankets that you can roll down over your door of the closet and everything just like put... As much in there, like you don't have to get sound foam, like what I have. I have a lot of filming I also do in here, so I'm choosing a little bit more aesthetic route. But sound foam is expensive, it's quite expensive, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, just get blankets like it. You don't need to, if people aren't seeing you and you're just recording and practicing, like who cares, like just dead in it with whatever. And then, um, what you also want to do then is close all every single door and window in the place, make sure you have no, like, including the door door to the room where the closet is like put as many doors between you and then you also when you're practicing this only works for practicing this doesn't work for recording so there's going to be like a bit of a time again where you've got to make that reasonable noise I suppose um but for practicing you can turn on all the fans so like if you've especially like the oven fan in the kitchen turn that on like make as much white noise as possible turn on the bathroom fan turn on the laundry fan actually if you have a chromecast what i've done too is stream white noise off of youtube to your television no joke do that Play as much white noise as you can because they're putting a white noise buffer between you and everybody. So just for practicing and then go in your closet that you've deadened. People probably won't hear you if you do all that. Um, But if you and then even that you want to keep within the hours, you know. So then if you're going to record, though, the white noise can kind of leak into the closet, even if you have it pretty well deadened. And you're really not going to be able to do that. If you're recording, you need it to be like pretty quiet audio signal you can't have other noise on there so you want to probably in an apartment use like a dynamic microphone that has a lot of rejection so you know just any regular dynamic like like this one the um Procaster or the or like an SM7 or something it they have a lot of like rejection you know like they're not going to pick up a lot of ambient noise because even if you turn it everything off like in a house there's probably some ambient noise but that's when you want to record in your closet too because you want to get rid of that room reflection and so forth so when, when it's dead again you just hope that like you deadened it enough that even without the white noise that at noon on a saturday it's really not going to bother your neighbors or or if it's deadened if it leaks a little bit into the neighbors um it's not that big of a deal because it might just sound like uh, you're listening to music you know in the middle of the day like when it's really dampened that's kind of what it sounds like i mean yeah the aim
2: is that it will sound like music eventually Yeah, yeah,
1: right. You would like it to sound like, but I mean, like, as though you're just sitting around listening to a record, not necessarily singing. So um, just kind of think about that, because again, you could just take your laptop and your SM7 and your interface and go in the closet, sit in a beanbag chair. I mean, like, really, your chair could be deadened, you know? You've got pillows, put pillows around you, whatever you got to do. Make a tent, make a house of pillows in there and record your vocals in there. I'm dead serious. Do whatever you need to do to get it done. you
0: know <laughs> i'm looking forward to seeing what you create yeah. we create jack in your uh, I'll, in your uh apartment. I'll
2: stick i'll stick my little pillow fort on instagram <laughs> nice yeah th- thanks that's uh, very comprehensive i was um not expecting such genuinely good advice for my particular situation
0: did, did you think it was just going to be drive out into the middle of nowhere and well think- i did
2: one that was my other option as i is getting out into the wilderness where there are no um no uh no accommodation for miles. Is that I really
1: don't. I really don't advise that. Although, again, you guys live in a different country, the safety situation. A lot of the people that I coach in Europe are like kind of like astounded because the crime rate in the United States can be awfully high and so I am always like do not do things alone anywhere in a car. Uh, It's really a safety issue you know. I really I had a couple This is I had people trying to do like their Skype lessons in cars and I I absolutely stopped that because I had a couple of incidences where people had to call the police. People got approached in their car. People almost got robbed. I mean you're alone you're distracted. You're on a device and also I'm not thinking that the recording quality in the car is going to Sound that like good? You're gonna get a lot of like reflection off of the. There's a glass all around you. This actually is probably not. And talk about ambient noise. Like even if you're in the middle of nowhere, every time a car goes by, whoosh, like even if that one every twenty minutes, you're gonna to have to redo that take. So it's simply just it, at least in the United States, this is not yeah. advisable. I would not it's do impractical. That. It's very unsafe. So please, I don't advise people doing that.
2: In terms of. Processing vocals and putting effects on vocals. I mean, obviously, you want the source recording to sound as good as possible. But is is there anything you would recommend in terms of putting reverbs on things like that to to help us out in our six months to make us sound as good as possible?
1: Okay. Well, I think that one you're going to have to look at vocal mixing. That's a whole
0: topic on its own, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, it, if all else fails, um definitely I really love um like a lot of the Joey Sturgis tones plugins, uh even if you don't know like a lot yeah. of what you're doing, definitely like their vocal bus glue is like an amazing like uh, you know, plugin f- makes like or like their Howard Benson vocals which just kind of comes with like a bunch of like yeah. um cool things on there there's a lot of plugins like that that just make your stuff sound good you don't necessarily <laughs> the presets are designed by these pro guys so you don't necessarily have to like know what you're doing yeah, you know the joy of, so, yeah,
0: plugins Yeah,
1: yeah there is a lot of stuff like that now so it's 300 times easier than when I started doing and like all we had was like the default Pro Tools plugins you know but um, I would say that I would say if you're new and you really want your stuff just pay somebody to mix it there's like a lot of kids out there mixing it now for cheap like, if you guys want after this, I can give you my dude in Scotland who is an amazing mixer and, um, you know, and and not too expensive. And, like, like if you really don't know what you're doing, just pay somebody. Like, it does, it's not that expensive. You can find a lot of kids with great skills that are, like, learning how to do it right now that will give you a very pro sounding mix uh, for inexpensive because that's what it's come down to. So I, I always tell everybody, like, just pay somebody else to do it till you, you know, you don't have to, like do every part of it you wrote the song you recorded it
0: yeah we're definitely gonna I I think it probably will come down to that in the end but I think with the podcast and like the challenge we're gonna try and Mm -hmm. do as much as we can I see that's the kind of
1: and I'm over here like just pay
0: somebody (laughs) we probably will get to like month 10 of the 12 and be like you know what we'll just pay somebody it's fine but yeah
2: yeah and then if we do if we do end up paying we'll keep it strictly a secret from our (laughs) podcast listeners (laughs) say we did it all ourselves
1: Well, because that's the thing. It's like sometimes, you know, we all – that's another lesson maybe you guys will learn from doing your thing and that I've learned from over the years is like – man doing it all yourself seems nice but if you actually it to be like super professional like you got to pay somebody else for some of the things that you can only be an expert at so many things or one or two things really and that's the problem you can do like mixes good enough to like get some stuff out there and and kind of keep the work going or like i can do video good enough for like a youtube channel if i actually want to shoot a music video i gotta pay somebody if i actually want it to look the way that it needs to look you know you know, so you kind or like artwork, or you know, it's just kind of, sometimes that is part of the lesson. Is sometimes you can't be the expert at everything. Mm. I think
0: that that will probably be the moral of the story. In the <laughs> end, will be just us going. You know what? We, we made this album, but yeah, actually, we tried. <laughs> yeah. It,
2: yeah, we should have delegated a bit more.
0: <laughs> we have a, a couple of questions that we ask all the guests, or we ask all the guests so far. Do you have any? Albums which you kind of look back or you look at, and which are like your favorite kind of albums of all time, uh, in terms of like a complete piece of artwork that's like you know, everything from the album art to the uh, to the music to kind of the whole package. Do you have any kind of standout ones? I'm sorry I didn't give you uh, some time to think about this, but um, it could be one of your own albums as well. Uh,
1: no, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm one of those people who's like, I never really. Uh, I'm not right like picking my own stuff usually. <laughs> I'm not that guy usually. Um, <laughs> um, I would say for me one that stands out in the era of album format because mm. I really feel like we are entering the post
0: uh, oh, format era. <laughs> I know
1: not to burst the bubble. <laughs> yeah. I just we're, put we're out an to album today with with. With the package and with artwork. So like there you go. I'm still doing it too. So just just to be fair, you know, but um yeah. the point is is that uh I one that stands out to me is there's a band called um Life of Agony, um from the United States, and they're kind of a hardcore band in the nineties, and they had this album called River Runs Red so- And River Runs Red is an album in which they put tracks between the tracks and this is sort of a thing that doesn't happen too much anymore because again like um, the context of streaming has kind of removed this element a little bit because the so tracks between the tracks show up as funny things and strange you know like strange to have them on the stream or to have them in the- yeah
2: if you've you got it on random little, inter- little interludes that come up yeah yeah it's interludes. sort of
1: really weird right and they were one of the very first bands to because i think this record is 1993 or 1984 um so it's one of the very first bands to actually talk about home problems um and it's kind of depressing but it's kind of fascinating um the 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 concept is depressing but i didn't write the concept so but the way they executed it was genius like absolute genius um they have like audio like you can hear like the kid like you know there's a lot of foley if you will like um Mm. people walking up the stairs doors shutting like you get a picture like as though you're listening to like a a movie audio and, um, the tracks between the tracks are like a kid in New York, you know, living a shitty life and a poor part, you know, shitty parents, the whole thing, um, just comes home from school and you hear this on the tracks in between and each track is a day of the week. And he comes home and because it's the nineties, he's playing like an answering machine message. Um, you know each time and you hear the answering machine messages get like worse and worse like one is where well, he walks in the door and the first one is like Monday and like mom's like you piece of shit like yelling at him and you can hear him walking up the door like as his parents are yelling at him and like shutting the door you know and like <laughs> the yelling continuing behind the closed door and then like the nasty answering machine messages from his job from his teacher like and it goes through the week and unfortunately like at the end of the week um, the audience they convey that he commits suicide in the bathtub. And so um, the whole record is about these home problems that this real-life kid is having, you know, and how it affects him and how it ends up, like, ending his life, basically. And they did it all through audio, through between tracks and the songs. They never actually say that anywhere. So it's brilliant. It's genius, and that one. It's,
2: it's quite quite high concept. Yeah, but, yeah.
1: Um, genius. Yeah, I think
2: we're, we're both really into that sort of the restore the, the storytelling aspect of a whole album rather than just an individual song
1: yeah and i think that is something that's sort of lost um because again like i said you know that's what happened but they don't say it anywhere you know yeah, and you just yeah. hear from like again like the foley is amazing just that they're able to like convey the door, like every just everything that you hear. Um, it's and again, like these in between tracks are sort of lost now because a lot of people still listen to those Life of Agony songs. It was a great and legendary record, but like I think a lot of the between that whole story is kind of lost, you know, in that way.
0: Cool. And then uh, the second kind of follow up question is have you heard any? albums more recently where you've been like you know anything that you're kind of listening to that's influencing you more recently at the moment I mean it could be an older album that you've kind of just discovered recently but what's kind of influencing you in your in your music that you're creating uh, at the moment
1: well the interesting thing I didn't write anything on this record uh, actually, someone else wrote entirely all the vocal lines and everything um, because it w- we ha- this band has had other singers before, and I'm just not particularly used to the style of the music uh, as far as writing goes. So we actually hired the original vocalist to write the lines. Yes,
2: yeah, I saw on YouTube you had uh, it three three of you, three singers collaborating. Yes, from the these were the, the previous
1: band. vocalists in the band. Yeah. And, um, well, that was quite cool. Yeah, it was great. And she actually wrote all the vocal lines on this record and the lyrics because we wanted it. She just doesn't want to be in the band. Um, It's just like her choice. So, um, um, But we worked together on it because I didn't really know. I just, I don't know it's been hard for the fans for them to transition vocalists. And so just kind of, we didn't want, we just really want to make sure the style was right, you know, and writing isn't exactly like the top thing on my list anyway. Um, So I don't know, as far as uh, influences would be more like towards the performance side. Um, And I think, I guess because I started being in, this power metal band, which I haven't done power metal in a while. Um, I've just kind of been listening to things on that angle. Um, a little bit more to kind of get into that mode. So there's this guy, um, who is just a killer power metal vocalist although again i'll never be able to sing as high as this guy (laughs) because i'm like a regular tenor and he is definitely the epitome of a counter tenor so this is a person who probably can't really sing does not
2: have normal man range
1: yeah uh too low but he's definitely up in the getty lee range but he's this guy named janice papadopoulos and he sings for this power metal band called beast in black from europe And it's like very typical European power metal. But this guy is like, (laughs) his range is like ridiculous. And so he just owns, that's the other thing is like, if you have a weird vocal range like me, like super low or super high like him, you just got to kind of accept it. You just have to own it, I guess. And he's the definition of that. You know, Uh. it's like crazy phenomenal dexterity. (laughs) He even sort of does like counter tenor opera singing, which is very something we I don't hear outside of opera world really. <laughs> so uh he it's crazy the stuff that he does. And I recommend like checking out his YouTube channel. Uh as far as but again, this is a person with yeah. a significant amount of training and a significant amount of practice. It isn't magic. And
0: with so. an unusually unique voice, so definitely not one to go out uh, and try yeah. a coffee. <laughs> and a
1: voice that is exceptional. I would say it's even rarer than my voice type which is like less than two percent of females that this low it's probably like less than one percent of men who have a voice like that so
0: before we kind of wrap up um you you mentioned you've just uh, finished recording an album is there anything else you want to kind of plug alongside that obviously there's the the youtube channel kind of i guess where can people find you is the standard podcast question uh musically and kind of from the vocal coaching side of things if anyone's interested in uh yeah in in getting some lessons and kind of watching your youtube videos how, yeah, how can they find you i mean i'll put links into to all these things but um
1: thank you so much for having me on i really appreciate it and um my youtube channel uh is just uh voice hacks um i mean if you just type that into youtube you'll find it but at the same time uh, it's youtube.com slash voicehacks by Mary Z, but I think that'll take you longer than just Googling it. <laughs> yeah. And then um, um, voicehacks at gmail.com is how people can get a hold of me for lessons and things. So, yes, thank you so much no, for having no me. I hope well, you guys, you. I can't wait to hear how your song turns out.
0: Well, that was uh, a really fun episode to do, and I hope you enjoyed it as uh, much as we did chatting to Mary. Uh, Thanks again, Mary, for coming on and giving us all those useful tips. If you haven't listened to previous episodes of the podcast, please do go back and have a listen. Um, We've been doing this for six months now and uh, it could be quite funny to listen to uh, how little we have progressed (laughs) with the album in six months, but we're getting there slowly and steadily. And uh, I think this singing part of the puzzle um, is one we really need to crack. And hopefully once we've figured that out, things will start moving a bit faster. Um, If you want to find us on social media, uh, you can do it's at Tunelighting on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Send us a message if you uh, enjoyed the show, if you've got any questions or topics you think could be useful if we covered in the future, uh, or you can email us if you would like things a bit more formal. It's tunelighting at musicianshq.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.